0: Hello and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. All those things that were declared by these people, it's the human right to hear those things. And throughout the world, even today with all of our communications and modern technology, there are people who have never heard of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And it's not just people somewhere far off in a distant country in a different culture, but even in our culture today here in America, people are without hope. They've never met Jesus, never had an adequate presentation of the message, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. There's such a story in Scripture in Acts chapter 3 where we'll start today. You can follow along in your version app or in your, in your paper Bible if you have one of those still. But in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to their daily routine. And there he is, this man at the gate. He's, at, he's got a great location, right? He's at the busiest intersection in town. He knows where to be and when to be there. And there he is, in the hustle and bustle of the afternoon, he's there. He's been here before. He, in fact, is carried there every day by some caring friend or relative who drops him off the busiest spot in town. But he would get no further and no closer than that point. It was his right to be where he was, but he was allowed to go no closer, for he was broken. He was lame, disabled. Therefore, he was a beggar. He offered no value to society and without a means to support himself other than begging, this was his plot in life. He was discarded and denied, and there he sat outside the gate, the gate Later in Acts chapter 3, we hear the name of the gate. Do you know what that gate's name was? Where this broken man sat, the gate's name was beautiful. The gate sat at the edge of the temple grounds, if you will, the entrance to the courtyard of the temple. And this gate, it is said, was adorned with beautiful Corinthian bronze like no other. It wasn't silver or gold that it was made out of, but beautiful bronze, handcrafted. And here this broken man sat in front of the gate called beautiful, but his life was anything but beautiful. And every day he sat. He was just outside the presence of God. Just this close to the presence of God in the temple. And every day, for as long as he can remember, he sat there. Too long to remember, but he could remember the charity. Those who came by to do a good deed would drop the money in his little cup. He remembered that. But they were often not looking at him. They were often looking around at who else was watching their good deed for the day. They weren't looking at him. They often were looking away, not wanting to make eye contact with this man. I've been there before. Have you been there before? For someone who everyone could see, he went unseen, overlooked, passed by, ignored. That is the human wrong. That such hurting people could just be passed by, overlooked, and ignored. And this day, as he heard the buzz of the human traffic begin to come by his way, he saw two men, ordinary men, He turned his attention to them for for the split second that he could utter his words of begging, please, please. And turning to catch someone else before they entered the temple courtyard, he was about to say please to someone else when his attention was drawn back, when Peter said, look at me. (laughs) what someone's having a conversation with me the the beggar who's simply asking for alms and yet i am told to look at you who who is this person that is about to engage me what do they want i i only want alms all i want is pity but what am i about to get in this moment Peter and John, just a chapter before, had had this life altering experience called the Day of Pentecost. Read about it. It changed their life, it changed the way they operated. And here, in this moment of an ordinary day, going about their routine, they stop and they say, Look at me. And the words he utters next aren't profound. He says, I don't have any silver or gold. Perhaps he was referring to the fact that the gate called Beautiful was made out of bronze. Perhaps he was actually turning his pockets inside out and saying, I'm broke. Payday's not till Friday. He was referring to his earthly resources. I don't have enough money to make you whole again. But what I do have, he says, what I I do have, I'm going to give to you. I'm not going to reach into my earthly resources, although that's needed. I'm going to reach much deeper because I see that your need goes much deeper than today's meal. And he says, what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, boom, life changed. The continuation of that story is the man rises and walks, is immediately healed. It says he goes about dancing. Maybe he does a little, no, I don't, perhaps. Perhaps. I have all sorts of dance moves going through my head, but I'm going ref- to restrain myself this morning. In the name of Jesus, we, sang, we sung that not 10 minutes ago. In the mention of that great name. For us, names are, are important, but they're anything but powerful in our society. And yet, in the day this was uttered, the name was important. It invoked a name with authority in this case. It wasn't just a platitude. It was the authority on which Peter stood in this moment to give not of what he had, but of what resided in him, what came from the Holy Spirit. The name was much more than a label. It represented the person and the power and the extension of that person's being and personality. And he invoked the name of the one Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He called upon that authority. And in that authority is the power of life and death to bring life out of death, to bring wholeness out of brokenness. It's because of the power of the blood of Jesus, the life of Jesus. We oftentimes overlook that. And in this moment, it wasn't just charity that they gave him. Do you know what they really gave him? Bleeding charity. They gave him bleeding charity. They gave him the charity of Jesus Christ. They gave him the charity, charity being that which is given to you that you have not earned, nor do you deserve. How many of you have received charity? And in this case, bleeding charity. The very charity that comes from the hand of God through the person of Jesus Christ. It's that which is given that we cannot afford nor can we pay for, but is given freely without cost to us. This is the human right. To know this power, to hear this name that we take for granted in Western society. To pass by is human nature. Peter and John didn't pass by that day. Even though they were on their way to do their religious thing, they didn't pass by. They took the moment to give the human right. But so many times in our society, we let not the human right be the way, but the human wrong. That's the human wrong that people would go a whole life without not just hearing the name of Jesus, but experiencing the power in the name of Jesus, primarily through his people. So many people around us, around you, around me, that could be their story. Maybe that's your story, one of those stories. And so many people around us, are misinformed because of what Christianity has come to represent at times. Perhaps like a, a vague memory, they remember the days they went to, to Sunday school or church as a kid, and, and they can't quite remember it, but they long for it, and they can't find their way back. Perhaps it's simply because of life, simply because of a bad example of what Christians should be like. They've had poor examples. But the human right is to receive an adequate presentation of the gospel and it's not just a Sunday school message. It's the message that we live in our life every day. To see it in action, to be loved for, to be cared for, not just sympathy, but empathy and compassion. John chapter 1 Verse 12 speaks of the human right. When the writer writes this, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's the human right. That's the gospel. Our part is to give an adequate presentation of the gospel to every person because Scripture says that God's will is that none should perish, that no one would go through life without him, but that all would come to repentance and acknowledge their need for him. And this church is the mission. This is the mission of our church, of the church, the church universal Rick earlier talked about it being our Missions Emphasis Month and having a missions-focused week where we have meals with a missionary. I'm all about meals with missionaries. Really, I'm about meals with anybody. So the question is, what is missions? If you have been around church for any length of time, that word gets thrown about quite a bit. And perhaps you have some vague idea of what it is, right? We were playing a game last night around the the table, the family and I, and it's called Apples to Apples. Have you ever played that game? Someone's passionate about that game. You really like that game, all right. And so you draw a card with a word on it, and you set it out for all to see it. And there's one judge who's put that card out, and everybody else has a a, a hand of cards that has other words that they then choose one that may fit that. And depending on your judge, you may pick something that exactly fits that definition or that word, or you might decide to be silly and and play sarcastically because your judge is that way. not the case in my family at all. But in this game last night, as we began to play and and put out our cards, every person gave something that may fit that word, but it really was up then to the judge to decide what was the best word. And I think sometimes in church it is that way with missions. We all sort of put our thing out there like, yeah, I think that's what it is, and I think that's what it is. But what is it really when we talk about missions? We're referring to the mission, the mission to adequately present the gospel of Jesus Christ to every person around the world. That is the mission. And so missions is an extension of that. Words that have this descriptor are missions, trips, missionaries, missional church, missions month, missions offering. I could come up with a bunch more. And I think for many of us, we think over there, we think of someone who looks different than us, dresses different than us, lives in a completely different environment than us, and that would be a good card to play. But to be people of mission or missional people is to be the sent ones, not just to be the sending ones as if we contracted out the mission of the gospel to somebody else. But the mission of the gospel resides in the very hearts of those who love Jesus, because if you love Jesus, you want others to know Jesus, and the life-changing power of Jesus. The mission, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I have commanded. This is what we find in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. When people in the church refer to the Great Commission, this is what we refer to is this mission that is given, which then becomes the Commission, of every Christian is to make known Jesus Christ. That is to make disciples, make followers of Jesus, teaching them and baptizing them. And it all comes back to the gospel. Sometimes the gospel gets lost. We forget what it is so let me help you today with something that I've used in my own life and we've helped our students understand what is the gospel what is this message of Jesus Christ that we say we are to proclaim well it's this it's the gospel g-o-s-p-e-l God created us to be with him but our sins separate us from him and our sins cannot be removed by good deeds paying the price our price our debt Jesus died and rose again, and everyone who trusts in his name and his name alone has eternal life, and that life with Jesus doesn't start when you die. It actually starts that moment. You say, Jesus, come into my life. Make your life my life. I'm dead, but with you I'm alive. This is the life eternal. That doesn't start the day you get to heaven, but it actually starts the day you make the decision. Did you know that? That is right. The decision, the moment you say, I surrender, I stop running, I stop doing it my way, and I'm going to start doing it your way. And as many times as I stumble and I might get lost and I might get distracted, I I still want to do it your way, Jesus. That's the gospel story. Everyone who trusts in him and in him alone, solo, uno, one person in your cup. That's from last week. Get the podcast. Everyone who trusts on him and him alone. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9, is such a great verse in Scripture that helps us with what that moment looks like. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, he's master, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, your heart being the center of your will and emotion, not just your, this thing in here. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you're saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the gospel story that is the mission but the question is how do they hear the gospel the writer of romans 10:9 through 13 continues in verse 14 when he 14 when he proposes the question to all who would profess how then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can anyone preach unless they are sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Does Scripture confuse you sometimes when it brings in feet, when it's talking about mouths? Did you ever wonder that? How beautiful are those who bring the good news? It's referring to the messenger of the gospel. The gospel being the word for good news in the Greek and the Hebrew, the good news being delivered by someone who was running with the message. They didn't have cars, obviously. And they ran the message of good news that the usually it was a, a victory. The army had won, and they came running back to town saying, the enemy has been defeated. We have won. Let's celebrate. This is the good news. This is the idea of the gospel, It was more than just living a good life as if we've told ourselves, well, I'm a good person and compared to that person, I'm really good. That is not the gospel. We can never be good enough no matter how good we are compared to somebody else. It's more than what we've put on our bumper stickers and our t-shirts. I thought I'd get more amens than that it's more than just giving living a good life while our brothers and sisters around the world are risking and giving their lives it's more than just a good life it's my story my life connected to his story and that story connecting with every story that i come in contact with my coworkers my neighbors the student in the desk next to me in the dorm oh, down the hall from me So what is the Christian response to the question is that with my normal everyday life, with my relationships, with my finances, and with my talents and time, I will live on mission. I will live on mission to bring the gospel every day in my ordinary life. It's sometimes hard to think of my ordinary life as a missional thing, as purpose-filled but that's what we're called to. When I roll into work at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning, that's a missional time. As much as you post on Facebook how much you hate Monday mornings. Monday mornings, you should look forward to the moment you get to walk in and be light in the dark world for every person who's cranky from the, the fact that they had to come back to work. You can be light in the dark world. Can we put up those five Christian response is living on mission with my normal everyday life, with my relationships, with my finances, with my time and talent. I will be on mission. This is the response. Here am I, send me. Send me is not send me somewhere else. When we sang that first song this morning, send me out wasn't send me somewhere else other than where I live. It was send me while I'm going about my business every day, normal, routine, life. Send me out, Lord. Don't let me overlook the mission that I'm on now around here where I live every day and contract out someone else to reach the rest of the city, the rest of the country, the rest of the world. And so our response is, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. And here's the promise with those who make themselves available with that response. Acts chapter 1, 8, you will receive power. You will receive power to accomplish the mission. You will receive power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Those are words, I understand that. So you know what, when you hear words in the Bible like that, Places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. You know what you should do? Google it. Let's put it up there. Can we show them Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria? There we go. Okay, so I Googled it this morning, right? Because Jerusalem is a vague place for most of you. Have anybody else been to Jerusalem? All right, very cool. So Jerusalem's down here at the bottom of your screens. And Judea is basically the countryside, it includes Jericho and the West Bank somewhat to Tel Aviv, over down into the Dead Sea. That's Judea. That's just, that's outside of Jerusalem. That's like Boone County, right? Maybe Missouri. And Samaria is all the way up to, almost to what is the Sea of Galilee up by Tiberias, but not quite. Because that is actually more Jewish. But between there is Samaria. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Samaria is the people we don't like, right? This is people not, not like us, different than us, different religion, different thoughts, different ways of living. This is Samaria. And then you move out past the Sea of Galilee and Tiberias. Tiberias is Galilee. And you start to get out into the ends of the earth. You're staring at that. Let's put it in context. Let's Google something else. Let's Google, uh, I know, Columbia. Oh, there we go. You are here. That's what that little pin is. That's where, you, where we are right now. So Boone County would be our Judea. Maybe even our Judea would be as, as much as Missouri. But our Samaria, really, do you see on the left-hand side here where it says Kansas City? If you go anywhere pe- west of that into Kansas, that is Samaria. <laughs> Those are people much different than us. They think, they act, they believe different than us many of them you will find using a term jayhawk we don't really quite understand what they mean um, and when we shout m-i-z they have no response it's a different language our samaria begins to stretch out to different cultures people that are not quite like us but but in proximity they're they're pretty near it could be for some of us an inner city an urban setting And then the ends of the earth stretch beyond that to places we've never been, places we only can imagine. Does that make sense? We're all on mission. Location has something to do with it. And so our response is that I will be on mission with my normal everyday life, with my relationships, with my finances, with my time and talents, With our students and our kids, we teach them to say, I will give, I will go, and I will pray. I will give, I will go, I will pray. We give. We give missionary faith promises, something you'll hear about over the next few weeks when we take offering and tithes and offerings at the end of service today. When we say missionary offerings, this is what it goes to, is for those who've committed their life to that very thing, usually somewhere else, not in a uh, more familiar town like a Jerusalem or Columbia. Those are missionaries. That's what we give to those who've dedicated their lives to that. We give through BGMC, which is our kids program, Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. We give through Speed the Light, which we talked a little bit about last week with our student ministry. We go We go on missions trips. We don't just contract it out for somebody else, but we put ourselves on that Mission as well, somewhere else. We move out from our Jerusalem, our Columbia. We move outward toward Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I've heard so many of you say, You know, someday I'm going to go on a mission. Yeah, you know, I've been meaning to. I've been thinking about it. Can I just say, I've been praying about it too? And the Lord told me you should go this year. That's the word of the Lord. Because some of you are saying, Well, if the Lord would give me a sign, this is a sign. Go on a missions trip. Put yourself outside of your comfort zone and become the light in another part of the world. We're going to El Salvador this year. We're looking for doctors and nurses. We're looking for construction workers. We're looking for untalented, uneducated people as well, like me, who can go and lift bricks and share the love of Jesus. Everyone has a spot this year, as every year. But specifically, my goal this year is to take 40 of us. That's a lot of people That's almost a whole airplane. That's my goal this year. Would you be part of that in reaching out to the world? Hey, we are so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information about a deeper relationship with Christ, we would love to hear from you. Simply email nextsteps at c2church.com.